0: Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David
1: Harder. From the production studios of Epic Financial Strategies here in Red Bank, New Jersey, we are Infinity X, giving a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of creating infinite sales opportunities by merging ecosystems and by speaking with mega powers. And by the way, folks, this is a repeat performance. The one and only Susan Sly is joining us. What's up, Susan? How are you tonight?
0: Well, hey, David, it's so great to be here. It's great to see everyone. And I want to acknowledge all the people who are here live because why? You want more. Your 2022 is maybe where you want it to be. It's not quite where you want to be, but I'm always honored to be here. Thanks for having me back.
1: Absolutely. Well, listen, the, the demand was super high, Susan, and you absolutely rocked the mic last time. And what have you been up to? What's 2022 been looking like for you?
0: I'm going to jump right in. So I I decided this year, David, that I wanted to accomplish so much in January and February that it would set me up for the rest of the year. And so, you know, really thinking about what that looks like, because when you you know, you consider that 92 percent of people don't even achieve one year's resolution. Right. And I've always front-end loaded my week, so I like to get more done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so I can not necessarily cruise Thursday and Friday, but be more responsive. Even at Radius AI, the, the company I co-founded and co-CEO and board member, we don't do meetings Thursdays and Fridays. So we really busted out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that we can just be you know, in that catch-up mode and so on. And so I said, what if Instead of just doing it for the week, David, I start to do it for the year. So here's what I've been up to, um, and it's a, it's a long list. So um, I just recorded a new learn on demand course, and I, as many of you know, I'm a student at MIT. So I want to do something not just your typical someone records on Zoom and puts out a course and charges like five hundred bucks. I had it professionally recorded. It is an MIT style course. How to go from employee to entrepreneur. And it's for the people out there who are saying, you know what, I'm a mortgage broker, I'm a you know, I'm a, a, a stay-at-home mom, I'm a teacher. How do I actually start a business? So we're covering ideation, we're covering accounting, we're calling all of that stuff. So that's gonna go live in March. Then, so that's just one of the things I'm doing. On top of that at Radius, we're growing. We're in the process of hiring 32 people. Um, I just got asked to speak at the NVIDIA GTX conference, which is the largest conference in the world for AI developers. And ask me how much code I write, David, like nothing. Um, We, you know, we put our house on the market. Right now we're sitting on multiple offers. So as soon as i am done this, I'm gonna be choosing one and a backup offer. So I just said, you know, I I looked at my results from 2021, and I sat there, and I want everyone to ask themselves this question. Would Susan a year ago, December 2020, be proud of where Susan 2021 ended up? And I looked at it, and I thought, in some areas, yes. And in some areas, I graded myself as underperform. And I said, no freaking way. I am going to be by the end of February. I am going to set myself up for the whole year. In the morning, I'm getting on a plane. I'll be up at 3 a.m., get on the pray, meditate, get on the Peloton. I have a 6 a.m. meeting. I have a 7 a.m. flight to Miami. I'm going to Miami. I'm doing a partnership with Jared Yellen and Grant Cardone. I'm launching a tech incubator for women. Um, it's on. That's all I have to say. So that was a, a big answer. But yeah,
1: <laughs> we are infinity X folks. This is Susan Sly and Her 2022 has gotten off to a bang. And then some, I mean, that's incredible. If you guys, if you have a question for Susan, please put it into the chat. Susan, let's dissect a little bit more around the educational content. So you're focusing on a lot of different verticals and it sounds like it's multi multifaceted for just about any entrepreneur. Can you give us a little bit of a sneak preview as to what people could expect if they, uh, if they pur- purchase the, uh, the content?
0: Yeah, so this this statistic really upset me, and it was 61% of Americans, David, want to start businesses, 92% of them never do.
1: Oh, my God. Is that right? So 61% of Americans want to start a business, and 92% never, take never it.
0: do. Never do. Never do. And so when I started to look at why they weren't starting businesses and for all of you watching live, that's why I love Infinity X, because it's it's, you know, the name of my show is Raw and Real. And David, I have to get you on the show the because you guys don't hold back. So let's let's dissect it. So the number one reason people don't start a business is not lack of confidence. It's lack of know how.
1: Yep, that's right. And there are a
0: lot of amazing books out there and a lot of amazing trainings. It's like, just do it, just start it. But people are like, well, you know, how do I really do this? So as someone who started many businesses, scaled many businesses, Radius now has a nine figure valuation. So we went from idea on a napkin in 2017 to where we're at today. Um, and, And to look at it and say, well, what are those beginning steps? And then how do we protect ourselves? How do we build that solid foundation? So I take people through their ideation. How do you find that idea that's gonna resonate, right? And one of the things I say is, that first idea might not be your dream business. So when people are saying, hey, David, go start your dream business. And let's say you've never been in business before, your first business might be your trial business. And that's why I love a lot of low-risk businesses. I take people through risk profiles, right? And, and I'm not here to sell anyone on anything. You could ask me any question. You can even, you know, say, what kind of mood did you wake up in? Or, you know, what's your greatest fear? I don't care. I'm an open book. But one of the things I always look at is risk profile. So when I say, see Trina or Justin or Cassie, I might go, you know, they wanna start a business, what's their risk profile? So people who have a low risk profile, usually it means they don't have a lot of experience as entrepreneurs and they maybe don't have a lot of startup capital. So there's a basket of businesses that can be started there. And then the next one is, you know, I have some experience, I don't have startup capital, or I have a lot of experience, I have some startup capital. You if. You should take a look at your risk profile before embarking on any business, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And risk profile, I, you know, in our world is so underappreciated, Susan, you know, because like, I have conversations literally each and every single day with people who have absolutely no idea what type of investor that they are, right? You know, they've never taken the time to define what their investment philosophy is, what their appetite is for taking on risk. What is risk, right? In you know, whether it's losing buying power on their money or whether it's, you know, putting into crypto or investments or whatever the case is. When you're looking at an entrepreneur and you're doing a risk assessment on starting a business, what are some key indicators that, you know, are either red flags or are things that people aren't taking into consideration when, you know, when they're assessing the risk of starting a business?
0: For sure. And we, David, you have to promise me the last time I was here, we were talking crypto. We need to talk crypto, NFTs, and blockchain. Um, so I just want to say like, I'd love to get back to that. So um here are some things that that are tangibles and then there are psychological aspects. So starting with the psychological aspects, do you have support at home? Mm. Um, do you do you really understand how to manage yourself in time? Time management isn't about, you know, I show up at this time i do this at this time do i have the self-discipline to manage myself in time and let's be honest as entrepreneurs so entrepreneurs there was a um, an article written in forbes about how many hours an entrepreneur actually works compared to an employee the base minimum for an entrepreneur is 56.6 hours a week so If you're that person who's like, oh, I just can't wait until five o'clock so I can go to happy hour, you might not be a good entrepreneur because that's not real. As I said, I have a 6 a.m on-camera Zoom meeting for a negotiation that I'm in the middle of, right? And that's just what entrepreneurs do. At nine o'clock tonight, um, and I'm in Mountain Time, so 11 o'clock Eastern, um, we have a sync up because we're preparing for this 6 a.m. meeting. And as I said, I'll get up at three in the morning. So are you emotionally prepared to be an entrepreneur? And we hear about, you know, what is that why? We are seeing millions and millions of people. I'm doing a speaking event um, with Henry DeVries, who's one of the top Forbes columnists coming up in, I think it's next week. And I'm talking about the great resignation. And I have a maverick opinion on it. So 74.3% of Americans say, I don't like my job. We've never seen this level before, combined with this level of inflation, combined with you know tangible and intangible uncertainty. And then, so David, you look at that, here's my maverick opinion. People have started to work at home and they like it. Yeah. And. It's not going to change. And so what we're seeing is millions and millions of people who say, I want to start a business, whether I now I want to work at home or I, I want to be my own boss, I want a degree of freedom. but. They lack, because they're so used to being employees, they lack the psychological armament of how to be an entrepreneur. The second thing, going back to those tangibles, as I said, you know, do you understand how to incorporate yourself? What an NDA is? Do you know, um, you know how to set yourself up with a proper corporate structure? And a lot of people don't. 50% of businesses fail, but get this, 90% of tech startups fail. So 50% of like everyday businesses, but 90% of tech startups fail and I'm a tech investor, right? So being able to assess risk is something really important to me.
1: And from a risk perspective, I mean, Susan, the last time that we talked, inflation was nowhere near where it is in the United States today. You know, and there's, there's, you know, there's chirping about is the Fed going to raise rates, you know, um, I think that ultimately, they're probably going to have to but I think it's going to be personally, I think it's going to be measured, right, because don't think I don't think that they want the economic trickle down of being too overly aggressive with rate increases, but Tech has the tendency to not love interest rate increases, right? And so Mm -hmm. a a offensive position, that's another risk that you have to take into consideration, right? And what's the buzz in your industry and in the tech space around what's happening inflation and rate-wise?
0: That is such a great question, right? So, and you know, we're seeing, I think the speculation today on CNBC was, um, and you know, for those of you who don't know, what, one of my things, my habits I like to do is like, if I can combine two things and get a lot done, I do. So I do weight training, I, watching CNBC in my home <laughs> office. That's like, after I've done my cardio, I'm in my home office doing weights, watching CNBC. And um, anyway, so from that, from that perspective, we're looking at some different things at a time that we've never experienced before. So we have artificial intelligence, which is my sector, that has built algorithms that are so predictive. However, the predictive algorithms, it's hard to take into account a Russian invasion, in Ukraine, or right. as of today, a par- partial Russian invasion, in Ukraine. And then um, the fact that um, Putin, I believe, supplies um I I I'm gonna get this wrong. It's, you know, over six percent of oil to um, Europe, right? So then on top of it, um, supply chain issues and a potential hundred and twenty dollars a barrel for oil in the U.S. We've already seen significant increases. It's it, you know people are like, oh, in Q1 the supply chain's gonna open up. I'm like, no, it's not. It's gonna be at least eighteen months, right? So your question is around tech. So there's a couple things that are really interesting that are happening in technology. And, um, I'm going to preface this by saying, cause I know you love these conversations, David, yeah. I was at the national retail Federation big show in January, and this is a stat that came out over 50% of American children asked for digital products. Not real products this past Christmas. They didn't ask for Barbies. They didn't ask for, like, you know, Lego. They wanted digital products. So technology has the ability to circumvent supply chain issues from the direct to consumer space. The ability to produce the tech like in my industry, you know, server procurement and all sorts of different things like that, that is bottlenecked. But once you are, you have that foundation and you can start to deliver those products directly and the margins are massive. So if I had to make a prediction in terms of this year and going back to will the Fed raise rates in March or not, I think a lot of that hinges on what happens with russia and the ukraine because how much can americans bear when your fuel is almost doubled your broccoli is you know 30 percent more all of those things right
1: yeah absolutely um <clears throat> listen folks we're infinity x replay on um, we are infinityx.com we are, we are infinity x youtube sus so, we have a question that came in from teresa and so, your comment on um psych uh I, i'm oh, your comment on psychological armor. Does that align with getting a culture temperature of psychological safety in workplaces? And what does that look like as an entrepreneur? I guess that's the first question.
0: Mm, Trina, that is such a great question. I hope I am reading to this question correctly.
1: Right.
0: So if, 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 you know, if we step back for a minute, and I love this question, and Trina, if I am messing up what you're asking, please tell me, <laughs> but I want to step back for a minute. As, as an employee, there's a certain expectation from psychological armor that your employer is supposed to protect you. Suddenly, as an entrepreneur, that is now gone. And from a psychological risk level, so now you're potentially dealing with hiring people that might sue you directly, not the company. You're, you're, you know, dealing with things like I have a, um, a friend of mine and she's doing a nutritional uh, company. She's a doctor and, but her first language is in English. And so she's getting all the labels done and she didn't even realize David that, Some of the things she was saying on her labels were not FDA compliant. No oh one had told God. her. The yeah. marketing people didn't tell her. That she paid them all this money. Like no one told her. And so suddenly she's gone from a zone of safety, let's call it, to this zone of unknown where she's putting herself out there and there's a tremendous amount of risk. So one of the things about Trina's psychological armor is that an entrepreneur, your armor's gonna have to be a lot stronger. And I have a lot of wall kicking moments. Um and, and you know, I wanna talk about those for a minute. So the more seasoned you become as an entrepreneur, it's almost like you've had this checklist of a whole bunch of crappy stuff you've had to deal with, you know, people quitting, people, um, you know, being nasty, people returning your product, your ideas, spending a ton of money on ideation and, and then something doesn't work. And once you go through that a few times, your armor becomes stronger because you have that experience. Right. And as an employee, as I said, there's someone you're expecting to protect you. And that's where we see, you know, this, you know, this trend right now, David in, in workplace and large companies bringing in life coaches, wellness, chief wellness officers, all of those things, even at Radius, we do wellness Wednesdays once a month and, the March topic is, you know, maximum wellness, minimal time. So if you only have a small amount of time and we're seeing more companies paying attention to the mental health because the employees were disappointed that they, they weren't having what they perceived as protection, especially during something that was as emotionally intense as the pandemic.
1: Incredible. We are infinity X and Trina. Hope that answers your question. If you have more questions for Susan, listen, guys, this is, as high level education as you're going to get in the entrepreneurial space. So please keep them coming. Um, we got a. we, Trina, I'll hit your question there in a moment. We got to thank great big Thank you. But, um, let's, uh, let's pivot because I'm dying to, I'm dying to hear it. So Susan, Every single day, right? I'm having conversations about folks that are looking to dip their toes into the waters on the crypto space, right? And we've seen a ton of volatility, new coins coming out, NFTs, etc. But what's happening in that market? You, I mean, there's a lot of volatility, hard to predict fundamentals. Like, what, do you, what are you seeing? What are you seeing in that space? What's special about it? Why does that belong in people's worlds?
0: I love this question. <laughs> so... <laughs> um so let's let's talk about the you know any new technology right so back in 1995 less than five percent of the world had access to the internet right right and now today i think it would be safe to say it's around 95 percent But we often as human beings have a high degree of impatience. So we say, Oh, this technology is here. You know, why is, you know, why isn't my Shiba Inu worth, you know, 10 cents, a, a coin right now, you know, when I bought it for, you know, why aren't I a Shiba billionaire or whatever the case is the reality is, is that we have to look at the phases of technological adoption. So I'm gonna borrow a little bit from um, my studies at MIT. So let's step back and take a breath and I will disclose this, I do have crypto, but I am a buy and hold crypto person and we'll talk about that. So generally speaking, when there's new technology, the first people to adopt it are the disruptors the vanguards the first you know when you think about the first godaddy commercials
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah who were they tailored to they were tailored to like 21 year old dudes like yeah. eating pizza at 2 in the morning the girls were like and my friend she came in as their um chief legal counsel and vice president and co-founder and she's this very conservative christian she's like what are we doing with these ads? But she would see how the traffic at two in the morning to buy domains. And when you think about who was buying domains back then?
1: It was people that were seeking, well, it was young people, right? It was younger people that were seeking out different methods, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but younger people seeking out different methods of essentially inventing their own jobs or thinking about the, the value of that domain in the future, right?
0: So were they not staking a claim? yes yes mm, exactly right
1: yes yeah
0: so, so then what began to happen is they started these young people started buying those domains and then eventually um business owners small business owners um adopted that Habit, And then we saw, you know, larger corporations. And then even now, celebrities, before they reveal the name of their baby, they will go. And people are like, why do you name your baby such crazy names? Because they're going, they're trying to get the dot coms. Before I had all of my kids, I had, for those of you who don't know, I had um, an online um, health coaching business on the internet in 95. I was like an OG internet marketer. (laughs) And so before I had all of my children, I bought their domain names. Um, And I own things like Susan Sly um, scam and, you know, all those things. I own a bunch of iterations of my own name to protect myself. So, you know, it's it's no different. So the people buying crypto now, the people who are buying NFTs, maybe not board Apes for, you know, two hundred and ten thousand dollars. They're the same people that would have been buying domains. So we have these, let's call them the disruptive vanguards, right? Yep. And they started buying crypto and they're buying NFTs and they're producing NFTs. I just minted for my son a few weeks ago, three of his pieces of art in NFTs and put them on OpenSea. <laughs> So then now we're seeing businesses adopt this. And this is why when people say, oh, crypto is going to go away, you have to understand the blockchain and what it is and understand that the government, um, just like domains, right? The government got in there and started to regulate domains and that had some good effects and bad effects. It's the same thing with cryptocurrency and the blockchain. So when you see a company like Ralph Lauren, um, and I saw the CEO of Ralph Lauren speak, and he was talking about their big metaverse play, especially with Roblox and doing capsule collections. And they have a Ralph Lauren cafe in Roblox where Gary and I can go and have coffee in the Ralph Lauren cafe, but none of us got caffeinated. Like, how weird is that? So I'm I'm just going to riff off for a minute and you can interrupt me any second. but so. Ralph Lauren is reinvigorating a legacy brand in the metaverse. And and the other thing I want everyone to understand, I did a post about the metaverse on my Instagram. This woman is like, oh, the metaverse, and she's riffing off against Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm like, honey, you're on Instagram. Get off Instagram. Mark Zuckerberg owns Instagram. Like, If you're so anti-Mark Zuckerberg. But understand this. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't own the metaverse. One of the companies I invested in, um, and I am a board member on, is a company called Good Goods. And we're building a metaverse of good, it's called the Good Neighborhood. And so you get tokens and rewarded for doing good things in your real life, and you're rewarded in your Good Neighborhood metaverse life. So so we're seeing large companies, um, another one, L'Oreal. L'Oreal Cosmetics, so how many, you know, have you are familiar with L'Oreal Cosmetics, right? You could just say me in the chat or put your thumb up or whatever. It's a legacy brand. L'Oreal Cosmetics, David, they have a director of metaverse technology responsible for creating digital twins of their products. And so what that looks like is I have a L'Oreal mascara in the the real world, and my Metaverse L'Oreal mascara digital twin shoots flames out of my eyelashes. So what if the clients I consult to, they are a national retailer and they're like, well, you know, we want to get into the space. So I gave them an idea. I said, do a limited edition of X, Y, Z of your product. And then the metaverse version, when people use it, that will do, you know, they'll have this transformation in the metaverse. So we're seeing legacy brands using metaverse technologies driven by the blockchain and driven by cryptocurrency to invigorate legacy bl- brands. Then we're also seeing those vanguard disruptors, like I was talking about, who are minting their NFTs, putting their original pieces out on platforms like OpenSea. And so there's this, you know, as I was talking about the last time I was here, this amazing shift in wealth. So big companies are adopting it. Um, you know, a significant percentage of Visa transactions rely on the SOL token, SOL. Um, I own some of that just as a full disclosure. So we see it in fintech. We are seeing um, the optimization in real estate transactions on the blockchain. Walmart announced that, you know, it just filed for um uh, gosh i think it was seven patents for metaverse technology and a year ago none of us would be saying a legacy brand like walmart is going to do a metaverse play so it's here to stay there are a lot of snake oil coins out there because basically anyone it's deregulated they can go and create their own coin but you know we can talk about meme coins we can talk about stable coins but this we're just in that early phase of adoption and people have to be patient
1: yeah i mean mike god is that interesting though i mean there's so many different you know, places that i could go with with what you just put out there there's the, there's questions all over the chat by the way so for a few minutes, but still, here's something that's really really super interesting right so you mentioned major corporations l'oreal walmart right um as you know, as, as they continue to look to expand, right? One of the things that they want to have attractive is is you know their um you know their ability to to, to create bonds, right? They, you know, they're gonna want to have continued inflow of capital so that they can deploy into different projects. And you know, with interest rates being as low as they've been for as long as they've been, uh, bond investors are just, you know, they're starving for yield, but they're not necessarily finding it, but they're they're constantly looking at companies that have high level tier one capital right so banks and corporations they own boatloads of life insurance because that's tier one capital that's attractive to me as a bond investor because i want to know that their debt is going to be something i'm going to get yield on do you see the nfts and and cryptocurrency being looked at as tier one capital Right for uh, you know for, for corporations to to pick up. I mean, is that uh, is that going to be a factor in people investing in these corporations and their debt? Maybe potentially.
0: Every time we talk, I always feel smarter. My gosh, you ask the best questions. Like, oh yeah. So, I to answer your question, I think not for a while. And what does a while look like? So, if we had been talking, you know, let's say prior to COVID one of the things that you know McKinsey came out with a study they said by the year 2032 AI would displace not replace displace 800 million jobs globally okay yeah. what happened was covid compressed time because we suddenly had a global displaced workforce and AI was brought in to optimize that workforce and everyone said well you know people are going to be out without jobs but are we not in one of the lowest unemployment rates in America right now so when you think about that david is it t- crypto going to be a tier 1 i would say not yet for a while because it's so deregulated so we have and you know my hope sheeb to the moon i'm part of the sheeb army won't disclose how much of that i have but And, you know, where we have stable coins, like say Bitcoin, right? And then we have Ethereum, which really, you know, takes a lot of energy to produce. And then we have new coins like Sol, which, you know, run on the Ethereum platform, not as labor intensive. And we're going to start to see in technology, there's something, some of you may be familiar with it, called Moore's Law. So Moore's Law is essentially says this, as technology advances, The cost to produce it goes down while the efficiency goes up, right? So the same thing is true with cryptocurrency. But what we are seeing, and you know this just as well as anyone, that two years ago you had single digit Americans with crypto in their retirement portfolio and we have now hit double digits so we're seeing the you know the the bigger investment firms saying hey you might want to hold some crypto but you have to have the stomach for it as i always say because you know when you have bitcoin swings that are you know five six thousand dollars in a day you're probably better off if you can't handle that having like a vanguard mutual fund
1: absolutely (laughs) absolutely you know it's if it, it, that's such a good access point for me Susan, because i was talking to somebody a little bit earlier today who is a savvy crypto trader right it, you know and he does staking, and he, he's doing really really strong things in that space but to that but to your point he has the ability to handle the swings and the momentum and everything like that. I remember when I first broke into the business, it was 1999. We were at the height of the tech bubble and you had the irrational exuberance, right? But you also had people that did not understand technology, didn't understand options or any of those the, the level of risk associated, right. With, um, with investing into startup companies, right. Or using option trading, forget about buying options to hedge. They were buying options because they wanted to you know, gain capital and they had no idea about what the risk or the downside looked like from a discipline perspective. And that's when you started to really see the emergence of institutional money management Really coming into play, separately managed accounts (SMAs). Now, the rise of the RIA and the fee-based platform. Do you see a fee-based platform really becoming a staple in American in the American investment world in the crypto space? Do you see there being like a rise of I don't know, whether they're hedge funds or just or money management firms that are going to offer those crisp crypto disciplines?
0: Yes, a hundred percent. When we look at crazy valuations, so when, when Coinbase debuted last year, it debuted at a valuation close to $100 billion. Like and, you know, people have to understand that in in the tech world, a hundred billion dollars for a valuation is still significantly high, especially for an IPO. Now, Coinbase, of course, has, you know, very high transactional fees and. Competition in anything is going to drive down fees. It it just is. Right now, you have you know different ways in which you can trade crypto. Um, however, as regulation doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Right. I was talking to Dr. Susan Liato, she heads the, um, the AI Governance Committee for Stanford University. Regulation can be a good thing, and I'm going to be very candid. I am not in favor of big government. I don't think it works. It just doesn't. I'm just going to throw that out there. But regulation can be a good thing when we're talking about the allowance of things like, say, a Vanguard to say, hey, you know what? we are going to have a crypto mutual fund and it's going to have low y- yield and you know you're going to pay like point um, a 5% management fee and we'll have a basket of crypto in there. We're just not quite there yet from a regulatory standpoint. And then we also have the global influence. So whether you like globalization or not, the internet facilitated a degree of globalization. So when China says we're not going to allow Bitcoin mining, the price of Bitcoin goes down, even though China's on the other side of the world. Right. So. I think if I had to predict where we are in, our, in the infancy of this, again, I go by, back to the dot-coms, right? So, I, you know, for the, the more low-risk investor, I think you've still got, you know, not that long, maybe 18 to 24 months where you're going to have more vehicles available to invest in. But one of the questions that, um, that Gary asked was about things like Decentraland. Mm-hmm. Right, yep, and yep. and I want to talk about that for a minute because this whole metaverse concept, um, really and truly, you know, the last time I was here, I was talking about Mark Zuckerberg and the metaverse, right, and the fact that he renames his parent company Meta, so. One of the things we have to understand is that whoever really controls the most servers at the end of the day in something like this wins. Because if these platforms are reliant on any cloud compute of their own or any sort of processing power of their own, it's gonna be very hard to compete. So where Mark Zuckerberg really, you know, has an, you know, he has an ability to um, be first to market with a true metaverse experience is because they have so much money to your point. They're sitting on so much capital. They can invest it. They're concerned about potential um, massive increases in corporate tax rates. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of companies, what they're doing right now is they're like, we have a ton of cash to spend. We're either going to invest in companies. We're going to invest in infrastructure. We're going to do something because we don't, you know, we don't want To just pay it in taxes, so now's the time. So, Mark Zuckerberg is building what I believe is the largest, um, you know, data server um, farm essentially in the world. And his, you know, I happen to know a little bit about what the the plans are, but I want to envision the way we'll be doing meetings. So, Infinity X in the metaverse. David and I are there together and we'll have some avatar capabilities so we'll still look like ourselves, but I might have the eyelashes that, you know, shoot the flames and David might have like, I don't know, like you might, Might have like some crazy hair that's just like, you know, I don't know, like it won't be gray
1: anymore, right?
0: (laughs) It'll be like Dave Grohl's hair, and you'll be like, Yeah, this is really cool. And we'll be sitting in this room, but we'll be wearing glasses to get in there, right? And for the time being, so lands like Decentraland are still 2D to a certain extent if you go on the Decentraland website and you go to buy land you're not you're just looking at a little square on grid, you're not looking at a full 3D rendering this technology because there are many use cases for it. I just had dinner with um, Dr. Brenda and Dr. Mark Wiederhold over the weekend when I was in La Jolla. They are two of the top VR scientists in the United States of America. So they're using this technology for PTSD for soldiers. They're using it to treat depression. They're using it to treat addiction. The use cases beyond gaming and fun and you know, just you know, like to to shoot flames out of our eyelashes. The the use cases are so tremendous, and um, some of the startups that I'm going to be putting through my incubator will definitely be focused on metaverse technology. So. In-
1: Incredible. Oh my God. This is, guys, this is like it, it, you're getting a PhD in, in, in not only crypto, in, in, but I mean, Susan, I can't even, like, you're so, you're a mega power. It's unbelievable. Like, I've, this has been so spectacular. Now, I do have another question for you before we hit any other questions. We are InfinityX, by the way. Replay on we are infinityx.com. We are InfinityX YouTube. The uh, Another piece of the conversation I was having with that client today, Susan, centered around. Growth rates, right? Because I mean, if you if if you do invest wisely, right? Well, just like with anything else, you're going to grow a net worth, right? And as you continue to scale, there's opportunity to, you know, over time, become a millionaire multiple times over, right? We're gonna we're probably going to have more billionaires in the next twenty years than we've ever had in the history of mankind, and we have a United States federal government that has a debt to GDP right now of 125%. We're going to be at a $50 trillion deficit by 2025. And, you know, our largest cost items are still going to remain constant, right? Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and Civil Defense. It's, to me, and I'm not a predictor of it, I'm not an accountant, but it screams tax reform. You'd mentioned corporate tax rates, right? And how are people... How are people going to – I guess it's a two-part question. Number one is how are people – how do people need to get themselves prepared for the inclusion of their crypto crypto holdings in their estates, right, for taxation? But then number two, what do you – from uh, from a governmental perspective, uh, is the IRS going to double down on trying to figure out ways where they can annualize tax this?
0: Yes, yes and yes. So we saw in Canada, as an example, where I'm originally from, um, you know, back when I believe it was Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, he instituted a national sales tax and everyone was up in arms, but his he ran on the platform that he was going to, you know, balance the budget and get rid of the deficit. And Canada actually, for a short period of time, did go into a very positive um, place, we have some very big problems that are going to, you know, and I'm not, you know, a a psychic by any stretch of the imagination, but if I was just looking at some economic factors, I'm going to riff off on just, I'll list them and then to, you know, to David's point, and then we'll talk about the practical things to do. So. Wealth, number one, is a personal definition. And I know, David, that's what you talk about to some people making, you know, $100,000 a year and having a paid off $350,000 house, and they feel wealthy and they should right that most people don't have a paid off house. Most people retire into poverty and they don't have enough retirement savings to go beyond two years. So you've got this whole concept of number one, you have to decide what wealthy is for you. And number two, then you have to have a very solid plan and what most people's plans do not include are things like pandemics mm-hmm. hyperinflation and war <laughs> right exactly but, david you and i are old enough to know this isn't the first pandemic this isn't the first threat of an invasion and you know this isn't the first round of inflation i used to have one of my um retirement investments was a laddered um I can't remember what it was called in Canada, but it was just this laddered approach where I bought essentially, um, you know, think of it like bonds. It was like a bond ladder, but because interest rates were so high, you know, it was like one would cash out at seven and a half percent, then eight and a half percent, then nine and a half percent. And this is like so smart, right, with the money. But we're going to see this continue. Then on top of it, The government has to raise taxes in the United States, if they choose to do a national sales tax um, that, you know, at this point would probably be better than saying, hey, we're going to penalize the entrepreneurs. Because when you start to raise taxes on businesses, the first thing the businesses do historically is lay off people. And so right now, if you're looking at through the optic, we have, you know, very low unemployment, but we're going to start to raise taxes that is going to shift. And then if inflation remains the way it is, you're going to have a bunch of people who are are out of a job and can't afford to buy food. And that could very realistically happen because this inflation isn't just infecting consumers, it's affecting businesses. And what people do during times of hyperinflation, they switch from using brand names to generic brands. They, And that affects those workers who work in those companies. They decide, oh, you know what? I'm not gonna go to a restaurant. I'm gonna cook at home. We're starting to see that. So here are some tips. Number one, work with your financial planner and start to look at your portfolio. So I'll just full disclosure, one of the stocks I bought this morning was Dollar General. So in the last recession, when I was living in Canada, um, we have a dollar chain store there, might be called the dollar store. So I bought a bunch of that stock, right? And Walmart stock, Target stock. Again, I'm not telling you guys what to buy, I'm just telling you what I did last time. Um, Always sitting on cash, right? So sitting on as much cash as possible, buying opportunities. So when the market dipped in 2020, I, I went in and I bought a lot of stock. I was like, it's like a sale. Oh my gosh. I'm just like buying, buying. My husband's looking at me. He's like, why are you so happy? I'm like, I'm on a shopping spree. It's like, we're all in lockdown. I'm like, I'm buying stocks, babe. So you want to sit on cash and then you want to work your behind off. So, this is not the time to coast. This is the time to have your job and a side hustle, to be saving money, to invest it wisely, be smart. I've always um, had well over 75% of my portfolio in very conservative stocks. Apple is, you know, full disclosure again, my biggest holding. Um, I'm just a hold hold and hold on Apple, buy and hold, buy and hold more Apple. Um, And then I have some more high-risk stuff. I also have some Vanguard stuff and, you know, different things like that. But these are the things you want to be doing. And to your point around crypto, if you, depending on the age you are, so I'm turning 50 this year, I'm not saying, oh, wow, crypto is my key to, you know, my retirement. Um, It's But I'm buying and holding it right? But you want to be really right now, pay off all your debt, get multiple streams of income happening if possible. You want to start to really educate yourself on investing and not get caught up with the trends just because your friends are all buying the latest meme coin doesn't mean you should. When I, you know, with meme coins, I look at things like this. So with, um, Shiva, right. So looking at sheep and saying, Hey, the CEO of AMC says we're going to take sheep. Um, then you see, you know, people like, um, Mark Cuban saying, Hey, we're going to start to entertain taking things like sheep and doge at our games and stuff like that to buy merch, which has, you know, high margins on it. So I, I'm not just going with the trend. I'm doing it from a place of educating myself, and that's the thing I want to tell all of you, because when you're from today, David and I could be here. This world could be an entirely different place. We may see inflation keep going. We may say unemployment in double digits. We may see um, people's savings wiped out because of, because of market crashes. What if China invades Taiwan? Right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, and, and and folks to that point, I want I want to drive that home a little bit further. I've been a financial planner for 23 years. There has literally never been a stronger case for having good financial advisory and a sound plan and an investment philosophy and a roadmap, but also a dissection on your exposure to risk because risk is literally everywhere right now. All around us, inflation, tax reform, right, poor investment choices, right. Because look, markets always out—well, not always, but history has shown that markets outperform investors because we 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 make decisions based upon emotion. If you're not getting a second opinion on the decision making that you're doing, or just looking at what the outcomes could be, now there's never been a more important time ever. You know, and. Oh. Right.
0: I feel like I just want to say like amen to that, David, because, you know, again, every time you and I speak, I always feel smarter because you're so bright and you've been a financial planner for so long. I'm also going to say something else. If you can afford to downsize your house right now, maybe is the time. If you don't need to be living in the city and you can you know, move somewhere else and because you work from home and take some good equity out, get out of debt, pay off your mortgage. I know some of you are like, oh, I've heard that all before, but are you doing it? Because again, David and I don't, we don't have a crystal ball, but we can both tell you that Three years ago, we weren't thinking it was going to be like it is, but look how it is.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, folks, we are Infinity X. We're giving a stage <laughs> and microphones to human excellence, and tonight has probably been one of the most profound, dynamic conversations. Susan, you're a rock star. I just love oh, the time God. that I get to spend with you. Yeah, I get so much the high level education that you provided on blockchain and crypto tonight, in and and the NFT space and the metaverse in general was second to none. And um, you know, we're we're constantly, folks, trying to to drive fantastic real-time relevant content and it's just the tip of the iceberg of of what you're going to see susan sly up to as we move forward here i mean this i mean tonight was just absolutely utterly incredible here's my question so you've already accomplished this is i'll, I'll, I'll let you leave the folks with this susan you've already accomplished so much and we're only two months into february into 2022. What does the remainder of 2022 look like for Susan Sly?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I I think about myself at 60. So my my 50th birthday, David, is September 25th. That is
1: impossible, by the way. Yeah.
0: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No Child of 1972. It's true. Um so I, I think about myself at 60 and what do I do now? to make my 60 year old self proud. And so I created a vision for myself that is so huge. And I I had started to write this vision every Christmas between Christmas and New Year's, we're in Telluride. And so I'm writing this vision my about my thing. life. What's that?
1: Telluride is one of the, it's paradise. <gasps> one of my favorite places in the world.
0: Yeah, me too. It's I love it. And so I've always been an advocate for women. And um, just so everyone's aware, only 2% of tech companies in the United States have at least one woman founder. So Radius, I am in that 2%. And so I said, what if I set a vision that is so crazy that I would help a 1,000 women launch tech companies? And so you don't, to launch a tech company, I've written a line of code since 92, you don't have to be able to write code. There are people who could create your tech for you. What do you need to be able to do? You have to be able to ideate. You have to have the solid business foundation. You have to have people like David in your life so you don't do stupid. And then you also have to have that discipline to be an entrepreneur. So that's how I had written this down on paper and some other crazy goals. I have just like, just put them down. I always do a business plan for my life. And so it was really crazy because I I had this guest on my show. He's like, you have to meet Jared Yellen. And then I'm on with Jared and Jared's like, yeah, Grant and I have this vision to launch 10,000 tech companies in 10 years. And I'm like, dude, that is crazy. But I set this vision to launch a thousand women-led tech companies. So that, you know, one of the things I asked myself is that it you know what do I need to do now to make that ten year vision come true and very few people David actually even have a five year vision so I'm focused on a ten year vision so the rest of the year for me looks like this we're we're going to continue to grow Radius um, we're doing customer acquisition we only do enterprise level customers that's the bulk of our customers generally you know multi billion dollar enterprise companies. Um, I am going to um, be launching my course. I'm going to be launching the incubator. I want to see um, for people to apply to the incubator. It's forty nine dollars. I then they you know, they learn how to pitch. They do all of it. The accepted pitches, we mentor them up and they actually we teach them how to raise capital. Um, I am a co-founder in your company. Um, So my goal by the end of Q2 is to have 35 women launched in that incubator, mentoring them, getting them going. And then for my 50th birthday, I am hosting something called the Badass Women's Dinner. And it's going to be some of my girlfriends who have just done incredible things. Like Rebecca Zung is going to be there. Susan Brazier worked on the first Siri. My friend Christine Jones, who co-founded GoDaddy, like all these amazing women. And um, so... I'm excited for the year, and and I want to finish with this. Trina, I would love for you to apply. Just go to SusanSlide.com because we don't have the application link live because I'm flying to Miami um, tomorrow and we're doing it. But the thing I want to finish with all of you from my heart. So, yeah, David and I love to talk about interest rates and speculation and all those things because this is Infinity X. But Infinity to me means your infinite potential. Your infinite potential. And I wanna ask all of you, if you went back 10 years ago, would that person you were 10 years ago be proud of the person you are now in all of the areas of your life, in your health, your relationships, your spirituality, your finances? And if the answer is no, and there's one area where you're like, oh, they wouldn't be proud of me, I would say prioritize it, make it your year, go into March, Say to yourself, if I had to make March, whatever I do in March sets me up for the rest of this year, then just do it. You have that infinite potential. You can go 30 days on 16 hour days. You can't do it for a whole year, but you can do it for 30 days. You can do things now that, you know, will make your future self proud and your past self proud. So that's what I wanna say to all of you. And please let me know how your 2022 is going. I wanna know, like, what have you accomplished? What are you working on? What are you doing? And stay plugged in to David and Infinity they're bringing amazing gas and I'm honored that I get to be one of the few people that came back for a second one
1: <laughs> god now we got to start planning the third susan <laughs> it just keeps getting better yeah, and getting better we do. I mean, it's unbelievable, folks. We are Infinity X. This is Susan Sly, SusanSly.com. She is up to massive things. And so are we. Replay at WeAreInfinityX.com. If you'd like to have a conversation with us around planning or any of the things that you heard about tonight, EpicFinancialStrategies.com or hit me on a DM on Instagram at David Harder at X. Susan, you are the best. I can't thank you enough. Hey, good luck with the closing tonight too. Um, I got it. sounds like you got a couple of choices, right?
0: We, apparently my realtor texted me, we have an all cash offer coming in and, and I'm not afraid to disclose this. It goes back to, I can't sit here and say things that I'm not doing myself. And, you know, by the grace of God, we've, you know, we put a lot of money in this house and, you know, we, it's, it's a good number. And we have, um, one kid who's graduated university, one is at university, one is headed to university, and then one left him. Like I said to my husband, who's a CPA, I'm like, this is such a good time for us to do this because you know you don't have to live. We live in a really beautiful house and we're very blessed, but you don't have to live in the nicest house or drive a Bentley or whatever. Now is not, and even look at the cost of used cars. We could have talked about that for thirty minutes. Look at how much things cost right now, my friends, and say yourself, if I can downsize, if I can drive this truck a little bit longer and I could take that money, pay off my debt, work with David, invest really smartly. What will my life look like in a year from now, two years from now, three years from now?
1: Unbelievable. Folks, drop the mic with that. If you want to catch her, catch her at susanslide.com. We are infinityx.com. We are thrilled to continue to bring high-level content. And Susan, always, it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you for sharing some time with us tonight.
0: Thanks, David. And thanks, everyone. It was great to be here. And uh, I look forward to connecting. If you're interested in the incubator, you can always um, just message me at info at susansly.com. And I'd love to tell you more as soon as we get the link live.
1: <laughs> I'm folks for the incubator. Susan, I'll talk to you soon. I look forward to it. Um, and folks, again, this is We Are Infinity X signing off for another Tuesday. Susan, thank yeah. you. So
0: much. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infinity X. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching We Are Infinity X. Until next
1: time.